entertainment, inspiration, and building community. This is the soundtrack of Savannah. This is your Savannah Philharmonic. Welcome to the Soundtrack of Savannah podcast, a creative storytelling platform from the Savannah Philharmonic. I'm Dee Daniels, and this is a very special episode as we're about to share some amazing information, important information with you, our listeners. Joining me for this fabulous conversation is Savannah Philharmonic's Executive Director, Amy Williams, and our guests, the President of Corcoran Austin Hill Realty and Chairman of the Board at Historic Savannah Foundation, Austin Hill. Austin, first time on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, Amy, such an interesting time of year because um, here we are celebrating the holidays and getting ready for a new year. And I think a lot of people are very reflective at this time of year. And especially listeners uh, here on this podcast, a lot of them are local to Savannah and the coastal Georgia area. And they really love getting to know how the Savannah Philharmonic works and operates and what we can do as a community to support it all the time. That is an ongoing conversation. And I think this is this episode in this conversation we're going to have is going to be yet another avenue of getting to know the Philharmonic, how it operates, where it's going, and, and how we as a community can support it. Definitely. Definitely. We have some exciting things. You want to give us a little preview of, of this conversation? This is a this this is a big one, and it, and it's it's such really just cool stuff that's that's about to happen that we can all be a part of. It really is interesting, you know. I think for so many of our patrons, I've heard about the Mercer Theater and the Civic Center ever since I got to town, and it came to me from stories of individuals' first experience hearing the Savannah Symphony or the Savannah Philharmonic, all the way up to people that hate it currently and think it's a horrible space, but it's a community space. And I think right now in Savannah, we have this amazing opportunity to see this space be restored, preserving not just a historic venue for Savannah, but also where people have so many memories. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I, I think who better to have this conversation with than a uh, seventh generation Savannian and someone who is so passionate about preservation and, you know, Austin, the, the conversation about, you know, preservation and where we're going with, with everything here is such a big conversation. It is. And it's funny, uh, Amy mentions people's first experience hearing the Savannah symphony and the Johnny Mercer theater. And that was, my experience. So as a high schooler, I was kind of a geek, but, um, but I got dressed up in my tuxedo and went to the Savannah Symphony all by myself uh, in the Johnny Mercer Theater. And I think that was the first time I'd been in the theater as well. Uh, so it is a very memorable place. And as, as Amy and I've discussed, it holds a lot of fond memories uh, for Savannians. Um, unfortunately, uh, Jonathan Stalkup tells us that the 50-year-old building is the one that everybody wants to demolish. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're fighting a battle there, but I do think, um, I do think we regret a lot of the times when we take down those buildings, it's a very short sighted mentality. And I think that that era of architecture is, is well worth preserving, especially I think Amy will talk about it when it's done right. You mm. know, when, when, when things have really been put in place to make sure that it's a world-class facility and hopefully, you know, we could restore it to that. Right. And, you know, I really think it, it's beyond just for the performing arts, though, too. It, to me, I see it as 
Savannah's Civic Center. And it really belongs to the entire city. So beyond just performances of orchestral music or the Savannah Music Festival, there were weddings there. The city mourned significant individuals there. So it's been a space for the city to come together for celebrations and deaths and sadness. Um, so to lose that would be something really terrible for the community. And, I, and it does have the ability to be amazing. I love the history of the space. So when it opened, it was a world-class performing arts center. Organizations knew it across the country and it, had one of, it was designed by one of the premier acousticians who did Cleveland's Hall, Severance Hall for those people that are moving here, who did halls around the world. He designed this hall in Savannah. And, you know, it just, it ended up, it was, it's sad because it was really due to misunderstanding of what a performing arts hall needs to be maintained, that some of the acoustic qualities were dismantled within just two to three years after it being opened. So when people walk in and say, oh, this is terrible, it can't be preserved, it was amazing. So it definitely can be preserved and it has some great structure to it that we would never see in other parts of the country. Austin, I think a lot of people that are having the conversation about, you know, okay, we should just, we should just take this down or we should, you know, in whatever location they're talking about having this conversation. And then mostly it seems it's, it's about just a lot of people not knowing the history behind it and not knowing the, the hands that were involved in it or the stories or the memories or the, the capacity it was used in. And, and I know you see a lot of that, you know, happening, you know, in different parts of Savannah. But I mean, this is one of those big, big stories. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is the um, the what people see is a square that's been removed. Um, I believe that that's Albert Square that no longer exists. And you see uh parking lots, you know, and, and massive parking lots that surround this huge, you know, block building. Um, and sure, yet city blocks were removed to, to create that. But what's really, really interesting is just prior to the Civic Center and the Johnny Mercer Theater being built, the city auditorium was the previous structure and it sat facing Orleans Square, um, which is immediately east of the Civic Center. So, you know, this has been the spot where performances, you know, civic spaces sat before. So that is not new uh, to this area. You have the MLK Auditorium or the MLK Arena, which takes up a huge amount of space, which the proposal that is before us removes that and restores that to the to the city grid. Um, which everybody is, of course, now talking about the Oglethorpe plan, which is restoring the grid. So I think that those are all important arguments, but it's also really, really important to realize that the Johnny Mercer Theater will not take up any more of the city grid than what the city auditorium did on Orleans Square. And it's and I think that people realized as the city developed, you need to take up those spaces and sometimes you have to block off streets or lanes in order to do that. Um, we've been in a, you know, in a movement of undoing those things, but for performance halls and stuff like that, it's, it's somewhat of a necessity. I think the, the, the spotlight on where 
the Savannah Philharmonic is going is also such a big part of this conversation and how, you know, the Philharmonic has become weaved into the community so much that that I think everybody's watching the Savannah Philharmonic grow. And so that's why this is also folded into this conversation. It really is. I'm, and, you know, it's not news that our concerts are selling out at the beautiful Lucas Theater, and that's 1,200 seats. The Johnny Mercer is 2,500. So it's our opportunity to have a venue that can really grow the Savannah Philharmonic can grow at the same rate Savannah is and the region is because we want to continue being something for everyone. So we want to continue having ticket prices that are affordable for the entire community. And we can really do that with a community owned space. Yeah. And, you know, you think about people coming, you know, to performances, you want to bring your family, <laughs> you know, you want to, you want to be able to afford four tickets and you want to bring your parents when they come into town and you, you know, you want to, you want to do all of that. And that's part of the growth process. And it all, it's all in the same kind of pot. It really is. And it's, you know, my dream for the Civic Center and the, the Sav Phil's dream for the Civic Center is that it is a space that the entire community feels welcome so that they can come as a family to a concert. A youth symphony rehearsal can take place there. Someone can have a lesson with a Philharmonic player backstage. And that's all at the same space. So that when people walk into it, they have a sense of ownership of that. They're comfortable immediately. And then it just brings music to more people. Yeah, it does. And really, isn't that what it's all about? You know, I mean, and it's and people were saying that, you know, uh, the community has said that we want more. We, you know, things are selling out quickly. So, I mean, you know, uh, that was a big conversation at, at Fill the Park where people were like, more concerts, That's you right. know. And so, you know, it's like, OK, and more space, you know, is just goes along with that conversation. Definitely. And, you know, not just for us, it's all of the performing arts. You know, we're speaking really on behalf of all the performing arts in Savannah with this, um, the music festival, the rep repertory theater, ATC, Savannah Voice, every single arts organization that we, that as Savannah knows and loves, that we all know and love, it really, we're all looking for that community driven space to perform. Yeah. You know, Austin, the um, it's an interesting conversation for people that uh, might not have been in Savannah for years and years and years. And they're just they, they are just learning about all of these things that are going on. And I know you can speak to with your work with the historic Savannah Foundation. A lot of people might not understand the process of, you know, why why is it a difficult process? Why is there a difficult conversation sometimes, um, you know, in in growing and yet preserving a lot of people on, on different sides. You know, it really is. So I think that probably a lot of people come to Savannah and don't realize, you know, how much pride we take in our, in our plan and the, in the, what was designed as a utopian town, uh, by general Oglethorpe, you know, that's, that's something that you learn about after you live here and, and experience the town for quite some time. But it, you know, it, it's always hard for cities to agree on things. You know, I think that I think that the leadership with the city council will help forge the future of this space. You know, it's it's hard for 
I think that the architecture, what what Amy alluded to earlier, you know, this this, you know, early 70s architecture, which kind of to me reminds me of the Lincoln Center. So I'm a little bit excited about it. But, you know, people were like, well, why would you want to save this? You know, honestly, it's probably the best use of the taxpayers money to reuse a building. So the greenest building that you can possibly ever do is a is a is a building that you repurpose or you reuse. Um, so I think that you can you can unify people behind that, you know, in 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 making sure that we're not wasteful um, with what we do. And and to be honest, how many years would it take to plan something brand new that's going to cost a lot more money? And where are we going to put it? And who are we going to use to design it and stuff like that? The city is growing rapidly. Uh, and we uh, we are attracting incredible, incredible people who are supporting the Philharmonic, who are supporting the arts. And to be honest with you, we can't afford to go a decade or whatever it would take without a space like this. It just can't happen. It's the only venue that has this capacity, um, and we we desperately need it. Uh, you know, you even attract performances that that the the in market arena is way too big for. It's a much more intimate setting. And I'll be honest, I've got ties to Johnny Mercer. You know, I have such a passion for his music. And people who know me know that I grew up in his house on Moon River. Well, this theater was clearly named for him. And it was one of the last places that he performed that he was there alive. He died not too long after the um, the theater was complete of a brain tumor. Uh, so it's, a, it's really, I think that Savannians new and old can unify behind honoring someone who was such an important part of our history. It, it's interesting that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, newer people quickly put together Johnny Mercer and, and the music. And I love how the, the Philharmonic brings that music in, uh, weaves that into a performance here and there. And you, you guys are always giving such a great nod to, to every piece of history and especially to our local history right here. And it's such an important part of the story. Yeah. I think, you know, we really, we love playing Moon River. I have never seen an audience react the way Savannah does to Moon River. My team knows that I would tell them if we could play it all the time, we would, right. according to me, just because I think it's fantastic. And what I, what I love is the way the audience reacts. There's nothing, there's nothing like it, whether it's a fill the park concert with 25,000 people or a concert in a neighborhood of 200 or at the Lucas theater, the reaction is the same the whole way, but it is something we're very aware that we live in Savannah and that we're Savannah's Philharmonic. So we try to lean into those ties constantly. So yeah. the memories that people have, I love hearing the memories that people have of the Johnny Mercer Theater. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, the reaction, I mean, he just, the Johnny Mercer statue just got put back into uh, Ellis Square not that long ago. That's right. And little Susie Chisholm sculpture. Unbelievable. Yeah. And and the reaction of, of it coming back and, and all of that was so good. And and so, you know, the conversation is is happening. Um, and people people know, okay what we have decisions we can make. And I think the, the, one of the biggest questions people have is what part do we play as a community and how can we help the decision-making process when it comes to these 
historic conversations, these preservation conversations, you know, how can we help? You know, I mean, I think the important thing is, is just to speak out, you know, let your voice be heard, contact your alderman, contact your city council, you know, write notes to to myself or to, to Amy saying, we support this, we want this to go on the record, that we, you know, that we support this, you know, look at what, look at the designs that are proposed for it and get excited about it. Because I sure am. I mean, when uh, Christian Sotil presented the, the design you know, that he was kind of envisioning, you know, he, we just had this banter because I, I mean, honestly, I kind of love 60s architecture, but the inside of the theater is very, very similar to the, to the space in which the um, Atlanta Symphony Orchestra performs. And to be totally honest, the most ornate spaces are usually not the best for sound, for acoustics. So this, this space is, I mean, it's, it, the design of it is really, really cool to me. And I don't, for anybody here that has not been inside of that space, when you walk into the, to the entry, those, the stairs and the entry hall, the, um, is such a great design. The floating stairs are absolutely amazing. And the, the idea for that is to really accentuate that where everything is kind of hidden now is to kind of put that in sort of a, a glass dome and really focus on that, the really great architecture that's there. I think envisioning what's going to take place there is so helpful. What, what, what does the Philharmonic envision? What do you envision? I envision it to be a hall that's never dark, meaning that it is literally everything from Savannah Philharmonic performances to the music festival, ATC, Savannah Voice, Savannah Rep, Broadway shows, that are migrating down the coast, right? Like they don't, right now they're not stopping in Savannah because there's not a space. They have a space to stop at. And that the experience when they come into the hall is that that we lean into so much at the Sadville that people have and see community. You can go into the hall for the first time if you're not sure, like you're suddenly welcomed there. And it just has that warm feeling. And I think it's important for people to understand that We've done some homework on this too. We had an acoustician come last May and do an assessment. This is the acoustician that designed Geffen Hall and amazing spaces. And he looked at it and he said, there's great structure here, right? So it's stepping out of maybe the last experience that they had there and really say, realizing what it could be. And we need the community to imagine and envision it with us. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm, I can't get little Austin in his tux, like, you know, out of my head now. So, I mean, <laughs> you too can have that experience. And I think that's a memory that people need to lean that's on right. because people can't see him, but his face lit up when yeah. he started talking that's about right. that memory. Yeah. And that's what happens. So, you know, even if someone moved here recently to remember that first experience that they had when they walked into the hall in the town they came from, for the first time as a child. That's the experience that we need to have for everyone in Savannah. Yeah. And you think about, you know, after you envision kind of the things that will take place there, you know, you also think about, you know, the, the revenue that brings to Savannah, you know, you think about the ripple effect afterwards when we have possibly Broadway shows stopping in Savannah, when we have, you know, all of these, bigger spaces filled with people, 
you know, that are also going to be eating here and, you know, maybe, you know, getting a hotel here, Airbnb here, whatever the case is, you know, it helps all of us really when, when you put that puzzle together. Yeah, that part is documented. I mean, the the money that 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 people that these type of organizations bring to a town, that's absolutely. Um and and the other thing is, is even even the even the executives at Gulfstream will tell you their executives, their higher paid people, they want to be in a town that has an orchestra. And so an orchestra is a vital part of a city economically flourishing. It really really is. But I'll what's really important, probably to me, even more so than the dollars, is the inspiration that you provide kids, that you provide people that that have maybe a passion that's unrealized for music or for theater or for the arts, that, that will go to these performances for the first time, that will do what I did and get ready and go and walk in, you know, into the hall and see that portrait of Johnny Mercer there, you know, as soon as you walk in and just be inspired. Uh, and it and it leads to so many wonderful career paths. And these people, you know, as they flourish, give back to the communities that nourish them, that inspire them like that. And to me, that's what it's about, you know, is really educating, you know, our future generations and giving them a memory like I have. But really providing the space in the avenue for that to happen. Um, that's what's to me is most important. Many times on this podcast, we have, you know, talked a backstory of our fantastic artists and musicians, and they all have something along their, their journey. They have a moment of opportunity that they share that is so inspirational, like Austin's talking about. And, to be able to provide that moment of opportunity uh, of a child walking in and seeing something and, and talking to, um, you know, someone who plays the violin or being able to just have that moment where there's that window of saying, I could do this. This could be me. I mean, this this kind of growth really allows for those opportunities to continue. Definitely. You know, I think, and there's so much more than just the performance, as Austin was saying, there's so many career paths. You have the child that walks in to a hall for the first time that may not even notice the orchestra at all. And they're watching the soundboard or the light board, or they're noticing the architecture, the acoustics, the, the staff that's behind the scenes. You know, that's what's amazing about kids is we have no idea what they're seeing and what they're experiencing in the hall. It might be the orchestra. It might be the conductor. It might be something else completely different, but it's that it's still that performing arts space, that concert hall space that triggers them to a different pathway. So what's the next step for all of this? I mean, you were talking about the assessment that's officially happened and, and what follows, what happens? You know, we would like for the community, as Austin said, to write to us, share their thoughts, write to their city council, talk about what the hall, what having a performing arts hall would mean to them to push it. But then we also would like to see the city have a feasibility study to really lean in to bring a team together. What is it gonna look like? What could it be? How is it gonna be designed? What the cost is? Because we're, we're not gonna be able to ignore the cost 
Um, that's going to be something very real that we're going to have to tackle. But I think we can tackle it as a community if we have a real study that leans into community conversations and has that. And, you know, once once everybody has that, you know, information, then then it seems like it's a digestible plan after that. Absolutely. You know, I think. You know, we've been moving in the right direction with gathering the information um, within, you know, starting to arm the public and engage the public. Um, but, you know, from there, it's really, you know, a decision making, you know, and it's in the decision making probably needs to come pretty soon because the building isn't getting any better. You know, it's 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 deteriorating um, and it's not being maintained like it should be. Uh, and we really need to get on top of it. So I think the decision making will come pretty soon here. Hopefully we can encourage our city leaders to to start making decisions, you know, within the next six months uh, and, and which what is the fate of the Johnny Mercer Theater and what is the plan for preservation and restoration? Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's the conversation that that we can have with each other. This is an episode you can share with other people and then they can you know, sort of get involved, uh, maybe when they weren't sure how they could get involved, great way to get involved. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all, how it all comes about. Um, it's, it's an important thing to, to really shine a light on all of this. And we're going to put links in our show notes for all of the things. And of course people can follow along with what's going on. Um, it'll be exciting to see when, you know, we can sort of, uh, start chipping away at this. Absolutely. To me, it's incredibly exciting for the future of Savannah. Yeah. Um, I hope you still have maybe at least the bow tie you wore. You can wear it again on opening night. Oh, I can fudge it somehow. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cause, I mean, that would be cute, right? <laughs> that would be cute. Okay. We'll follow along with everything we're doing. And of course, uh, make sure you check out Instagram and the show notes. We'll have all the links and um, how you can further support not only Savannah, but of course, the Savannah Philharmonic. Welcome to your open invitation to enjoy music with your friends and neighbors. This is the Soundtrack of Savannah. There are so many great ways you can support your Savannah Philharmonic, including giving through the annual fund or to our community music school. You can also show support by sponsoring a season concert or our Fill the Neighborhood series or annual Fill the Park event in Forsyth Park. You can even sponsor one of our talented musicians or host them in your home during the season. Your support and commitment is vital to our ability to perform extraordinary music and present free music education programming of the highest caliber for the Savannah community and beyond. Planned giving from individual community partners to corporate sponsorships creates opportunities for the Savannah Philharmonic to grow and also allows you to leave a legacy, ensuring the organization continues to entertain, inspire, and build community for generations to come. For more information on sponsorship levels and a full list of concerts and community events, please visit us at savannahphilharmonic.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to the Sav Phil podcast you're listening to right now, so you can be in the know, behind the scenes, and center stage at your Savannah Philharmonic. <laughs>